Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today, we're going to talk about financial freedom. I'm Lady Bounce. And I am Picket Fence. Today's Mindfulness Minute is called Begin Again. Whatever happens, nothing is final. The world is reborn with every moment. I am thinking of a children's song with a repetitive lyric. Poor old Michael Finnegan, begin again. But maybe Michael actually had quite a lot of luck for getting so many chances to start over again. And all of us are lucky too. For each time something bad happens, we get to start over. Sometimes the renewal comes in a form of material circumstances, but it may also be changed in a disposition. The same event viewed from a slightly different angle can be either catastrophic or a gift, or sometimes a little of both. Maybe you woke up today on the wrong side of the bed. Feel that frustration now in your chest and in your head and cramped, tense feeling. Breathing deeply and straightening your spine, set aside that uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Breathe into the possibility possibility of fulfilling of a new direction something light peaceful and satisfying word up word up and joining us today a very very special guest who has helped us is going to help us get ourselves together today i know it's only 30 minutes but she is <laughs> going to put us on the path to getting your financial life together give it up for saran baker and uh lady bounce break down all the many things the surroundings <laughs> okay so let me see first of all i i once again i say this a lot i see where i went wrong in my life because dang my resume don't look like this <laughs> <laughs> but she is a speaker a life coach an expert in her field she gives workshops and seminars to local organizations churches and students about budgeting college planning tax-free retirement understanding life insurance and we got she's got a new type of insurance that i've never heard of before that i can't wait to ask about so just hold that <laughs> uh let's see what else she's been obviously she's been to college a few times she's got some degrees in her personal life in her free time she is a member of aka okay pink and green <laughs> pretty pretty anyway she's a community activist and community servant she serves on the boards of many nonprofits. She served family and youth for over 35 years working with the charities of Prince George's County. And that's in Maryland, right? That's like yes. that fancy neighborhood. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So currently you live in New York, which we like that. So now we got a place to come visit. Welcome to the show, Ms. Baker. Let's talk about this money. Let's get out of debt. Let's get our financial house in order because I see that that's what you love to do. So let's talk about it. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I talk about it all day. I love it. So I'm happy to be here with y'all tonight or oh, today. Good afternoon, day, night, evening, night, whatever wherever you catch it. All right, um, so, so starting off, what is a person, say a person like all of us have been to college. Mm -hmm. And of course, college always or usually gets you wrapped up in some type of debt. How can someone start climbing out of that debt, especially with today's times where you have people, a lot of people after you go to college and a lot of cases, you don't even get a job in your field mm -hmm. and it can be strenuous to work a job and try to pay on that loan along with your regular bills. 
Yeah. So I actually um, am on a task force where we work with students specifically from HBCUs, but you could have gone to a non-HBCU where we talk to them about plans to get out of debt because statistically uh, our melanated people come out with way more debt than non-melanated folks. That's the first thing, right? We just don't have the same resources when it's time to go to school. Um, the big thing now because of all the CARES Act money and all these things is to go ahead and apply for an income um, driven repayment plan. Go ahead, if you work for a nonprofit or a government agency, apply for the loan forgiveness. It's not the plan that plans that they were 20 years ago. Um, make sure that you start to pay because they are really also, when we go back, because the moratorium, the forbearance, all that ends August 31st, 2022. That's in 30, not even 30 days, the end of this month. Yeah. Right. And so you have, you want to do that. The other thing is, and this is the part you probably don't want to hear for many of us. You might need to make some more money so that you can pay them off. Right. Sometimes that's the answer to debt. You know, we can, I can put you in programs. I can put you on a specific budget. I can show you how to do it. But when we start looking at numbers and adding them up on paper, not in our head, we'll see where our money is going and we'll see what we don't have. And we'll be able to have a, re a reality check that says, hmm, at the end of this budget, I have zero dollars. Or at the end of this budget with just what, you know, I wrote down or we put on put into a spreadsheet, I'm, I'm negative $500, you know, if I start making these payments or whatever. Don't get discouraged, right? The thing is, is that the budget is a check. It's like the check check um, oil light on your car. It doesn't mean the car's going to stop running. It just means it's time for you to check it out and maybe do, make a pivot and do something else. So mm -hmm. hopefully that helps. But I do help people yeah. with programs and things like that, do a full evaluation to see what we can do to actually get you into a plan to get you out of debt. And the, the challenge for those of us, those Gen Xers, the challenge is paying those student loans off and still putting money away for retirement if we plan to retire or having that money available. Because if you got, say, 100000 in student loans and you're busting your buns, putting paying $100,000 in student loans, but you're not putting 100000 in your retirement, you're losing that money. Well, we put I put people in a system where it'll do it simultaneously and take okay. you through and recycle the money in a different way than we've ever heard of before, that we've ever done it before, because it just is. I'm actually doing a live on it tomorrow at 8 30, but y'all come. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm gonna be there because as you were Great. talking, I was thinking like like I I, I I have a decent job. I, I am an educator. So mm -hmm. I'm using my degree that I went to school to get. However, I have been in an income-based repayment plan kind of situation where I don't even have to start paying it back until I start making a certain amount of money. Right. Well, being in special education, I'm never going to make that. So for the moment, I'm safe. However, I don't want to just be safe. I really want to you know, pay off this debt and get rid of it. I know I'm like millions of other Americans, you know, who have student loan debt that you, you can't pay back, but you really want to pay it back. And then there are some people who have the debt and don't care about paying it back. I'm on the other side. I have the debt. I want to pay the debt back, but I cannot pay the debt back. I now have my, um, our own daughter is going to college and she leaves next week. So we have come up with a, a loose plan to be able to support her and maybe not have her take out so many loans. But in the meantime, we still have to live. 
so so i mean like when i was just listening to you like all of that is so it's so real and we looking at each other going hey how we gonna do this how we gonna you know how we gonna figure this out and then i made a joke about you know like starting a starting to only fans or something but i'm like i don't even got nothing to offer so ain't even in my future because listen we all got something to offer only fans you never know i got i got funny faces it's about all i can offer on only fans we should be talking about that in front of your husband no it's cool i'm getting one too look me up it's gonna be it's gonna be mr snuggles mr snuggles we all gotta work here but right. I like the Mr. Snuggles, and then I, I'll just be your manager. How about that? <laughs> that, that? That might work. Okay. But seriously, so you know, you're like millions of, of others. So here's the thing, and I've I said this a few different times in different places, but the student loan debt amount is about $1.6 trillion, right? Wow. And the T is like there, but if we can really fathom what $1.6 trillion is, let me give you an example. And you can actually Google it. It'll come right up. Um, if you had, if you were to spend $1 million a day, every day of your life, it would still take you 2,500 years to spend a trillion dollars. Oh, my goodness. Because... Just the compound interest alone, even at like 1%, a small percentage, is going to be more than what um, you've spent in that month. Wow. And so the thing is, is that that's how big the debt is just for student loan debt. Well, and then you take that $1.6 and you flip that around and say that, well, 50 to 60% of that belongs to melanated community, uh, those in the melanated community. And like in your example, when you explained your daughter's going to school and then you still have student loans and things like that. So what's happening is a different kind of financial sandwich, because now you got your student loans, your kids' student loans. You're trying to figure out retirement. You're trying to keep your kids out of the same student loan debt you're in because you already know the pain of it. But what it really is doing is eating away at your potential generational wealth mm. because your kids will eventually have kids if 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 we are so lucky, if that's in their, in their life path, they will have kids. And then you will all be still paying student loans for us and our kids when the grandkids are around. So where's the money for us to plan for them? Right. In the non-melanated community, I was talking to one of my colleagues in Atlanta, one of the, in the non-melanated community, they not only plan for their kids college before they're born and their grandchildren before they're born, they plan for their retirement. Mm. For their kids and grandkids' retirement. They plan for it. Here's why. Because the power of compound interest is maximized over time. Time is the biggest factor in compounding interest. So the more time you have with your money in the right type of accounts at reasonable interest rates over a longer period of time, you're going to have money. That's why we can't catch up to the Rockefellers, to the Rothschilds, to to Warren Buff to the Buffets to even the Trumps because their money has been compounding for two hundred years in some of these families. Well, we wow. didn't have that for a variety of reasons. We won't go into that, but just to kind of give you right. the idea of kind of what we're up against is really the financial revolution that we need 
at this generation where our forefathers and foremothers, they fought for us to get to this point. Well, now we got to fight the financial fight. Right. That's dope. I, I like that. And and I think that that's real important. I wish you could come to our uh, African-American Cultural Festival because we need, we're trying to get people to speak on things like this because like you said, that is the now and the future. Yeah. And, and, and I and actually looked at the dates. I was trying to see if it if, if it could work and I could sneak to Cincinnati. <laughs> I did look at it. I was like, I want to go. This looks cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh after the festival, we're gonna start having a, a lecture series and you know, I'll be in touch with you about that. Um, because it's something that you know that really needs to be talked about. We don't talk about it. I know that you know, when you think about like my parents. They were always in debt and not even college debt. They just struggled. You know, they worked. My mom worked two jobs, had a side hustle to get us out of the hood. But then we still were in debt because we were out of the hood, but we were paying more money because we were out of the hood. Mm -hmm. So it's like no money was building up. It was like you worked so hard to get money to get live in a better place. Yeah. But you're still not working hard enough to acquire some future money right and a lot of it is our mindset right and that's why i love the podcast i listen to a few a few of um, the fly with us podcast too and the thing is really about our mindset we don't have the same mindset about money that have been taught in other communities just because we were at a disadvantage mm -hmm. because of historical things that were out of our control right Mm -hmm. And then if you did not end up in one of the more affluent African-American or melanated families who did get access to some of that information and were able to kind of transfer it. And then when we were um, desegregated and all the, the community moved, you know, all the doctors, the lawyers and the people who were um, in a different space, they moved out of the neighborhood with the janitors and the the, um, the working class folks. They moved on up, as they said, on the Jeffersons, you know, that took away that knowledge base that would have sh been shared with the whole community. Not saying desegregation was bad, but it did have an impact us on us as a community, right? Because we were all together. It didn't matter if you were the president or something and you were black, you had to live in the same neighborhood with exactly. you know, with everyone and so that benefited everyone because all the, the doctor's kids were playing with you know the school teacher's kids and the janitor's kids and you know the 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 the, the maids kids we were all together in, the, in those communities but when we split it up now we started having our less fortunate communities and you know just kind of all the fights that we had to go through but the knowledge is there now so that's one of the things that's my mission is to educate, educate, educate. Word. So, so, so what's, what's the first step for someone that has been just getting by? What is the first step? I know you talked about uh, you may need to look at getting more money, but what's the first step? Like, say, for example, like I need to look at my finances. What are my steps to looking at my finances and making a plan to start doing better? So one of the things I talk about in um, my sessions when I talk about getting your financial house in order is putting some putting a plan together, right? But really the first thing is to assess where you are. I can't tell you how many people keep their budget in their head. So if I ask you right now, Lady Bounce and Picket Fence, where's your budget? Is it written down somewhere? Not to put you on the spot. Do you have a written 
piece of paper with a budget or an Excel spreadsheet or an app or something that you do your budget on? No. Okay. 99% of the people who are may or may not be where they want to be financially don't have a budget, right? And they don't have a plan. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there will come a time if you start to do it and you start making money moves and using the money as the right tool, as the right type of energy and tool to grow, that you may not have to worry about a budget when you get big dollars. But when, we're, when we are working class, and that's not, we're middle class, upper class, and we're working, we need mm -hmm. to know where all our money is coming from and where it's going, right? Um, I sat with some clients um, this week who, you know, had did some programs from them. Like, you know what? I want to go back and look at my budget again. All right, well, let's get on. Just pulled up a little spreadsheet. I used the exact template that I used for my own budget. And I started putting all the numbers in, you know, with, with the client and going through everything. Cause she was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I can't figure out why I don't have any money. And so we kind of went through the budget and she had all this extra money at the end of the budget. She's like, but I don't understand. I never have this money. Right. Mm. Turns out she had some expenses she had not mentioned because she was running a business and she didn't include that in the budget. Because she's like, oh, that's personal. But the thing is, is that when we start to look at in, in totality, then we're like, okay, well, if my business, if, if this costs me money, so let's say fly with us, if fly with us costs you money and it's not included in whatever income source coming out of whatever income source you're using, then you're not really fully accounting for it. And so we count this money in our head and then we looking at our bank account we're counting in our head. All right, well, there's $500 left in here. I think I got one, two, three, four, five bills left. You really don't know. But if you have a spreadsheet and you go through and you pay your bills and you see check it off, then you can see, okay, all right. It may, and it may not always line up, but you know what's going on. You know what you paid, what you didn't pay. You know what you should have left. And then you can check yourself. You can't check yourself if you don't know. Hmm. Well, I will say, while we don't necessarily like write it down, there is a plan. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that, like you were mentioning when you were, you know, talking about the person you sat down with, like that's us. So like we, there are certain bills that a typical person has that we currently don't have. So then we look at ourselves and go, okay, well we don't have this bill. How come we don't have any extra money? And then mm -hmm. the answer is always because this bill went up or that bill went up or gas went up or you know we spend more at the grocery store now because food went up so in theory where we're looking like okay well we don't have this particular bill where's our money at because mm -hmm. we still don't be having none i mean we have enough you know but we, yeah, yeah and then still trying to trying to live and date and hang out and have like you know fun times yeah so i definitely can can see how if you're not actively writing it down, it is easy to spend money that you don't even realize that you could be, you know, saving or redirecting. Yes. So that, I, and that's the key. You said something important, redirecting, because when we know better, we do better. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I was pulling this spreadsheet. They actually discontinued it. Um, there was this thing called money in um, Office 365 where you could go put your account information in and it will pull all your expenses from your credit cards, your bank accounts, everything will pull it right into a spreadsheet for you and, and, it, and you could categorize it. Right. And so I did it at the end of 2021 when I finished doing it. I said, I spent $361 at Chick-fil-A. I'm never going back. 
<laughs> now, mathematically, it is, it's like maybe 30, you know, 50, 50, 60 bucks a month I spent or so, 30 right. to 60 bucks a month I spent at Chick-fil-A. But when I saw it, I said, I don't want to spend that kind of money at Chick-fil-A. Right. Nothing against Chick-fil-A. I love chicken. I love Chick-fil-A and I like Chick-fil-A sauce. But do I want to spend almost $400 a year on it? Right. right. So right. I got to question myself about it. And that's what having a budget will help you do. Now that little tool, I'm sorry they, they kind of did away with it because I would tell my clients, listen, go sign up for money, pull it, and let's look. Because it's a re it, it just kind of gives you the mirror of what we're doing because we don't think about the unconscious spending that we're doing. And it's not bad and it's not good. It just is one of those It just things. is what it is. Yeah. But if you consciously, when you get paid, even if, you know, if it's bi-weekly, monthly, um, the 15th and the 30th, the 1st and the 15th or whatever, if you know that that's the day you get paid and you plan that, okay, well, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to look at the budget and I'm going to, and I'm going to make sure these automatic things go out. And then if we know groceries are high because inflation is a silent wealth killer, we go ahead and raise the budget for the groceries and, you know, just kind of work it out that way, but it helps you now. You had asked a specific question about putting the house together. The other thing, and you mentioned this a little earlier, Lady Pounce. The next thing I always tell people is get life insurance. Because if anybody dies, that income goes away. Period. That's number one. And I don't say, and I don't, and I say it without flinching, and I say it as a matter of fact because it's true. Right. right? And I don't want and, and I don't mince my words when it comes to it because not having life insurance is definitely one of the things that hurts our communities the most because the next thing you see is a, a crowdfunding request and we're just trying to figure out how to do the celebration for our loved one and we haven't thought about that loss of income for that household forever mm -hmm. right and if we do what we need to do while we're young enough and healthy enough because those are the two things that are the credit for you in life insurance only a few life insurance companies actually check credit. But if you do, if you put it in place for you and your children, then you'll have money so that you don't have to have an emotional crisis and a financial crisis. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because your kids don't have to lose their home. Um, you know, the husband or the wife don't have to take another job and then the kids lose the other parent because other parents overworking themselves trying to maintain or, you know, or doing, you know, doing the, all the things that we do to try to make our kids comfortable if something happens right um yeah. but that's the number that's the, the second thing do your budget and in that budget we figure out how to make sure that every member in the household is covered now the other catch is <laughs> because in our communities we end up helping out a family member is making sure you tell your other family members to get it too because mm -hmm. you're doing all the right things and then you know, Ray Ray Nam, something happened, and now we got to figure out how to help Ray Ray Nam. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a, a coworker like that right now. Like she's a she's a single woman. Her daughter is is grown and out of college and making her way on her own. And whenever I tell her that, like, hey, we're gonna have this event, you should come out, or you know, we're gonna do this, and it's only like five dollars to get in. She's like, oh well, I don't have any money because you know I'm helping out a lot of my family, so I never have money for this, and I never have money for that. And I'm thinking to myself, slightly jealous, like, what? I mean, your daughter's grown, you all by yourself, and you still don't have no money? Like, come on, sis, what are, what are you doing? 
but if she's one of those people if somebody calls auntie is on the way auntie got the money or you know cousin is gonna show up and i'm like you can't do that anyway and i don't do this or just walking give her the advice i'm like you can't help your family out to the detriment of yourself so while i may not be banking financially i also ain't helping ray ray and them ray ray and them got to get it out the mud or off the shelf however they get it but they can't get it out of my pocket because my pockets are already trying to maintain myself and the lifestyle that i've grown accustomed to mm-hmm. so when you said that i was like oh that sounded like my co-worker well okay, you know yeah. what it's nothing wrong with helping family right but you right. use a very important word are we helping them despite our own safety mm-hmm. well that becomes a self-care issue right because sometimes what we what we've done and i'll and i'll be honest i've been there i'm the family member i've helped all my families i'm the oldest of eight and probably not one of my sisters and brothers can say i haven't helped them in some way right mm-hmm. but i had to learn the hard way um probably around 2012 i was doing really well for myself um making more than more than more than six figures almost double six figures and then i lost my job and then i had to figure it out and then when i needed help there was no one to turn to because i had helped everyone and so the type of help i needed wasn't there so then i got to look back and reevaluate like where did you spend all this money that you were making for all these years and so i got to sit back and really take the time and say well you know what I don't regret a thing that I did for anyone that I loved and cared for. But going forward, when I get back to my place, I'm going to be more discerning and more discretionary about who and how I help, you know, those that I love. Because sometimes just not answering the phone right away and waiting two days to say yes or no might mean the difference because they might still figure it out. Right. Mm. But, you know, kind of pulling back. But some of that is a um, psychological um, psychological payoff that, hey, if I help them, they'll, they, they will care and love and they'll be there for me. Well, as someone who's lived it, they don't. They're not there. They, they don't show up. Because if they've always needed you up until this point, when you may or may not need them, they won't have it to give to you. Because they've never figured it out for themselves. Right. And it's an unfortunate thing. Yeah, I like that. And I like the fact that you said that, you know, when you put yourself out there like that without regard for yourself, that's a self-care issue. And speaking of that, with all the stuff that you and all the people that you help, you know, on a business side and families wise, what is something that you do for your own self-care? Well, currently I do a lot. Um, Honestly, you know, the experience I shared taught me a lot about what I wasn't doing for myself. In recent in the recent years, I've really worked straight to do things for me. Um, I work out every day. Now, am I hardcore lifting weights every day? No, but I'm going for like a 30 minute walk, <laughs> you know, on the treadmill, you know, to get the get the energy going. I typically listen to something positive and upbeat while I'm doing it, you know, to kind of get my energy going. Um, actually, this week I started uh, 30 days of affirmations. Um, seven affirmations and I'll share them with you and this week I'm also I said no TV (laughs) for me I'm not a big TV watcher anyway but I said no TV because I felt like I needed to refocus the time a little bit Uh, because I was only really watching TV like right before bed so I said no I'm just going to read my book right before bed and I'm going to go to sleep 
Hmm. And no social media Sundays. That is a new one for me because I realized I was doing too much social media scrolling, trying to figure out what was going on, where, and doing different things, especially with having a business and all that. It just was too, it was too consuming. So I said, you know what, maybe you're going to pull back a little bit on it. So, but it's I cool get the affirmation because we want them. We've actually used that before as a self-care assignment is take one day a week where you don't do social media, get away from the doom and gloom or the constant scrolling and being too invested in other people's lives. So I'm so glad you said that. So it's not just us saying it. This is a real thing that, that people need to take heed and do. Yeah, for sure. So if you want me to share the affirmations, I can. Some of them have to do oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, go ahead. it's only seven, but you know, I get up in the morning and I say, I believe in myself and all that I am. I am doing my best every day. I love myself for who I am. Money flows easily into my life frequently and abundantly. Money works for me. I am grateful for every day and I accept 100% responsibility for my life. And those are the same. Yeah, I like that. Dope, 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 dope. Well, we're uh, running over time, but before we get out of here, of course, we got to get to my favorite part of the show. Doom, 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 doom. Brain science, science, science. All right. So we've been talking about financial freedom. I'm going to give you five mental tricks that will make you better at money according to neuroscience's neuroscientists who study the brain like I do for fun. Okay. Saving money is hard. That's a scientific fact. Whether it's transferring money to a savings account or paying down debt, making smart financial moves can go against your basic human instincts, according to experts who study how the brain reacts to money. So, how do we fix that? I'm glad you asked. Overriding these natural instincts and transforming your finances won't happen overnight. So, here are five tips on how to save more money and achieve your financial goals. Pay with cash. Not every transaction feels the same to us, which is part of our cerebral cortex. Money comes to life. We feel the pain when we're paying in cash. When we're paying electronically or with credit cards, then it's easy to dismiss it as something that is not there. But when you have to physically go in your wallet, physically hand somebody the money, and you see it leave your wallet, that transforms your relationship with money in, it, in and of itself. So try switching to cash and see if you notice a positive difference in your spending behavior. You may also notice an auto adjustment in your spending nature just by using cash. Number two is something that you said is keep a money diary. So kind of keep track of what you're spending on so you can look and say, I spent $300 at Chick-fil-A, before why? Because I can make a chicken sandwich at home or I can make Starbucks at home. So definitely when we write our money, when we write our money down in a diary, the same as keeping our own thoughts in a diary, it allows our brain to make a concrete connection with what we're doing and how we're spending our money. And when you track your actions over time, you can see where you are making mistakes and correct those mistakes and still achieve financial security. Number three, when building a savings plan starts small. As tempting as they are, dramatic changes to your finances likely won't be sustainable. When people are in debt, one impulse is to throw everything at it. But forced deprivation can only last for so long. If you don't have savings, what's the when the next emergency comes up, you may be forced to take on a new debt. 
So it's better to establish a long-term savings habit that can be adjusted as your life changes. Number four, add and remove friction. Friction is a term used in behavioral finance to indicate speed bumps during an experience. Things like manually entering your credit card number onto an online checkout page versus having you saved. That friction can be used to your advantage when it comes to reaching your financial goals. I know me, I'll keep something in my cart for forever because I don't have it on the automatic payment. And then when I actually have to type in my credit card number, sometimes in the process of typing in my number, I'm like, I really don't even need this. I don't even need to spend this money. And I'll, you know, rethink the purchase. So that works. So you can add to friction by turning off one-click ordering, removing saved addresses and saved payment info. You can also remove friction by automating savings and investments from your paycheck, setting up auto pay for your bills and paying for items with cash. Mm -hmm. The more you can make things automatic and less dependent on willpower or memory, the more likely you are to succeed. And last but not least, my favorite, accept that you'll make mistakes along the way. No one is perfect and not all decisions will be perfect. The human brain isn't made for this world. It's important to give yourself some grace, understanding that our brains have not evolved as quickly as technology has. Getting on the right track financially, creating an emergency fund, for example, can drastically improve your mental health. It may just take more time and diligence to get where you want to be. We need to balance two considerations, the mathematical and the motivation. Every decision is an emotional decision at some level. Absolutely. And spending your money is no different. Word up. For sure. Don't don't so um before we get out of here, of course, you got to give your contact information, how people can get at you and get on this path of learning about money. Okay, well, you can reach me at saran10k.com. That's my digital business card. But I'm also on, I'm on Instagram. You'll find my Instagram there, which is covered by Saran. My Facebook, which is covered by Saran. You can go to YouTube, which is just Saran Baker. Um, I just started putting content out on YouTube. I also go live twice a week. Mondays at 8.30 on YouTube and Thursdays at 8.30 on YouTube. Um, but that page is the Millionaire Ladies Mob. I do that with th uh, three other uh, melanated women in finance. And so we talk about all things money. Tomorrow, we're actually talking about getting out of debt and cash, building your own bank type of things with cash, moving money so that you can get more, build that retirement and pay off debt and things like that. That's what we're actually talking about tomorrow. But... That page is Millionaire Ladies Mob, and it's all spelled correctly, so you can find that on YouTube at 8.30 tomorrow. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Thank, we want to thank you very much for being on here. You kind of shook us up, helped us get on the path of uh, getting this money right, especially like we said, with having one kid coming back home and one leaving next week. Um, and we want to be able to help them. Like you said, we don't think about that, the future generations. We're like so busy on a day to day. Um, so that's something we, we definitely going to be sitting down and talking with you to, um, you know, work things out. Yeah. And it's never too late to start. Right. Start where you are. It's just like anything else. Start where you are. You're not ahead of anybody or behind anybody. You're right where you are supposed to be. Word I like up. that. That makes me feel better because I'd be like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> For real, I'd be feeling like I don't even know why I'd be trying to talk to like 
people who are smart with money because I feel like I'm just existing and I'm doing okay, but I don't want to just keep doing okay. I want to do better than okay. So, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is my job is not to make you feel bad. My job is to talk to you about what you have, see where you are, and you decide where you want to go. And I help you along that path. It's not my job to make you feel bad. My job is to show you what you may not have seen because I'm talking to hundreds of thousands of people who need this. So I have a different perspective. It's like going to a doctor who has 10 patients or a doctor who has 100,000 patients. You're probably a lot better the person who has 100,000 patients because they've done it more. Word up. Word up. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, you know where to find us. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. We're on Facebook, IG, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere. It's your boy Pick a Fence. I'm your girl, Lady Bounce. We out of here. Peace. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>